Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, first-ranking officer of the Terry McLaurin Stand Club, Grand Marshal of the Alvin Kamara Apology Parade, and BFFs with the Oracle, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by just one of the guys, sunken lieutenant of the SS Deshaun Jackson, loather of Adam Gase, doubter of John Gruden's Jacob's Handle Shtick, and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, the uh, ginger stubble man, Nick Botiford. How you doing today? I'm good, Pete. How are you? I am well. It makes sense for such a chaotic NFL season and like couple of weeks that recording this show would also be equally as chaotic for us as we've been trying to figure out what time to do it, who's going to be on the show. Uh, so listeners, you are just getting uh, the Nick and I treatment this week. That's right. Yeah, we're going to try to bring stability to your lives. Hopefully you guys read the rundown and everybody started Chase Claypool because somehow I managed to call his rushing touchdown which I am still really proud of myself for doing. <laughs> Nick is going to be riding high on that one for the rest of the season. Uh, all right. Well, we're going to jump into the uh, our starts and sets for week six. We got a lot to talk about. Obviously, I mean, there's some news that we're going to get to. A uh, little, little uh, running back shakeup. But we'll talk about that when we get to that game. Uh, so let's start off, though, with the first games on Sunday. The NFL really just kind of pooping all over us with like 18 different morning games on Sunday and then two afternoon games, one of which is like just the trash ass. Uh, isn't it like the Giants or no, it's the Jets Miami. Isn't Jets Miami like one oh, of the lone God. afternoon games? Yeah, I think, I think you might be right. I'm what having trouble what finding it, but yeah, not what fun. Are what are we doing here? NFL? Uh, all right, well, let's start. Chicago Bears heading to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Uh for me, this is this is the game we saw David Montgomery put together a really solid game against the Buccaneers uh, back in week five. And I think, I mean, we know when a, when you see a running back facing the Carolina Panthers, you, you immediately fire them up. Uh, and so I think I like David Montgomery this week to continue the kind of success we saw him uh, put forward back in week five. Yeah, uh, you said it. The The Panthers are like a fire the cannon defense where if anybody's really in a slump and they have any kind of prominent role uh, on the offense, this is the week that you can you can either try to sell high on them or just, you know, start them with confidence. Todd Gurley finally looked like Todd Gurley of old last week, uh, over 121 rushing yards, uh, hit, hit Pater too, and added some passing game usage, which was not really the case for him this year. Uh, but just looking back through other box scores, I mean, there were so many backs this year, uh, Chase Edmonds, Eckler, uh, Fournette, Jacobs, that have all, like, smashed 
uh, like hundred yards or a touchdown kind of thing, pretty much guaranteed. So I uh, was confident ranking Montgomery up in the top 12 this week. He is the, uh, I believe he's the, 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 yeah, number 12 overall. Yeah. Probably the highest he'll get this year. I think that's crystal, crystal clear start. If you've got him, I would be tepid on Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore this week. I know they both had big games last week, which we expected because they were playing the Falcons. Uh, But the bears defense is legit. And we've seen, you know, the Buccaneers passing game struggled against them last week. We've seen other passing game struggles. So I don't know if this is quite the, uh, fire fire up Robbie Anderson, like a wide receiver one this week. I did. I just did my wide receiver rankings and you would think Nick, I would have these ready and waiting in front of me, but I am just going to stall until I get them up. Uh, Robbie Anderson, I have wide receiver 20 DJ Moore wide receiver 21. So mid tier, mid tier wide receiver twos uh, this week for me. So with, uh, with Robbie Anderson's usage, I, for me, I like, I think you just roll with him. Um, I eight, 10, five, 11, 13, that kind of usage is just really tough to beat. And uh, it's possible that we just see more of a floor game out of him. But I still think for me, he's going to basically have like a hard stop at wide receiver 12 overall, where I to, to rank them. DJ Moore though, I totally get he, they've totally switched expected roles. He's the downfield receiver, not Anderson. And something that, that I missed on earlier this year, the ETR guys were talking about this on one of their free podcasts. Um, Robbie Anderson was coached by Matt rule in college. And I oh, just yeah. totally missed that. And Teddy Bridgewater and him were on the jets together. And oh, like in yeah. the, in the preseason, that's what I didn't even think about and so, yeah, I mean, it, it, the, 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 uh, the stones were cast. We, we could have seen this and I missed both of those, but it makes a ton of sense that rule knew how to use him. And went, now this guy's not just a downfield guy. He yeah. can do everything. So um, I'm still rolling with him as a, a wide receiver one, but you know, he'll be like the very bottom of, of that tier But DJ Moore. Yeah. He's, he seems to be as matchup dependent as Teddy Bridgewater is who goes from like top 12 option to like, number 24 kind of a thing yeah yeah there there's there are quarterbacks who i'm sure are available in your league that you should be streaming this week if you have teddy bridgewater if you if you had success with them last week good for you but uh don't don't rely on it this week let's move on to the cincinnati Bengals heading to the indianapolis colts uh to take on the colts heading to the indianapolis to play the colts um and i don't know about you i mean let's start with, let's start with the Bengals because this Colts defense man is like top five in every category at limiting fantasy points to, to positions. They're number one against quarterbacks, number two against running backs, like number five, six or five against wide receivers and number one against tight ends. Is there anyone on the Bengals who you would comfortably start this week? So I think, um, yeah, I'm just double checking the box scores. The one thing that you you can see, uh, Lavisca Chenault touchdown, Braxton Berrios touchdown, Robinson Allen Robinson runs a lot of routes in the slot touchdown. Um, I think that Indianapolis does struggle to cover the slot as proficiently as it does on the outside. I also think that they they're a bit they they've benefited from matchups to some degree. Sure. Uh, you know, Jaguars in Week One and Jets and and Mitchell Trubisky Bears. Uh, it's through, through the first three weeks. I think that they're a really good unit, but I think that uh, as, as the season progresses, we might see them humanize a little bit. So that said, uh, Tyler Boyd, I think he stunk it up last week, but still would be going back to him as a slot 
option this week. Um, AJ Green, his his. Did, did you see him after they turned the don't, ball over? Don't tell me a damn thing about AJ Green. AJ Green okay. is dead to me until he catches a ball successfully twenty yards down the field. So there you go. So for that reason, I do think that the three receiver set is like locked in. I think you just kind of drop expectations for these guys like by a category. So if you had Boyd as a wide receiver too, he's a flex this week and and so on. Uh, Mixon though, I mean his his carry. Yeah, you're you're off on him. Um, he's like he's like a rich man's Josh Jacobs where he's getting a ton of rushing work and he's seeing more passing game usage than Jacobs is, but he's still not getting the two minute drill work. So he's not the passing game back. He's just getting those looks when he's out there early. I'm still going to roll with him as a high end uh, running back two in this one, just because I think he's he'll, he'll clear 20 touches, but you know, he's not the top five guy that we hope. Yeah, I, I let me quickly look at some names who maybe I would – I am very low on Joe Mixon this week, and I think that there are guys who I would comfortably start ahead of him. I would comfortably start Miles Gaskin, Ronald Jones, uh, Devin Singletary, maybe even Antonio Gibson against the Giants. Like those are all guys who I think I would I would rather start over Joe Mixon. This I I trust this uh, Colts defense, and kind of like what you're saying is just that I don't know if the game script – I guess we haven't really seen the Colts offense be that explosive. So this game could be a little more of a slugfest than I'm anticipating, but I'm, I'm just worried that if Joe Mixon gets like stymied on six rushes, that Zach Taylor's going to be like, all right, Joe Burrow, fire up that arm. We're throwing 70 times. And, and Gio Bernard is, is taking the field the entire rest of the game. I think you, you nailed it there that basically Mixon's path to a ceiling game is via game script. Uh, just because Rivers is like I, I, I was down on him in off season. Then they looked great, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I was wrong." Now it's kind of like mm, now I don't know. Phil Rivers is just. I think we've 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 realized that his struggles in in the latter part in the LA's in the LA chapter of the Chargers history uh, were not entirely due to that offensive line. That they were also due to Phil Rivers uh, aging, which happens to quarterbacks. Currently, Drew Brees is aging. Big time, big time. You can't see it, but Nick's eyes wide as saucers. Yeah. So just on the on the Colts note, I mean, I, I think this is like the the first time in a little while that we can feel really good about Jonathan Taylor, but he's still just a high end running back too for me. The the backfield usage in that group is just so friggin' split. It yeah, like he does not have the reins to the to the offense. But against the Bengals, I think anybody can look great. Splendid. Well, let's move on to a game in which when you play these opponents, you everyone looks great. Uh, Detroit Lions heading to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. And I really both sides, both both of these teams make all offenses look great. Uh, the only thing that that really, really either of these teams is good at Detroit is is limiting opposing tight ends, which is fine. Jacksonville doesn't have a tight end. So who cares? Uh, but this feels like a fire the cannons game. Yeah, that is disappointing. With uh, I, I think Eifert, Eifert's hurt right now, so even his which like is, you know, which is just like a bummer, man. Like you, you always hate to see injuries just kind of completely wreck someone's career. And Tyler Eifert like went from the the tight end elite to just hasn't been able to stay healthy or, or on the field a shell yeah. of himself. But anyways. yeah, so uh, as far as uh, the 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 people to target though uh, with Chark. Not practicing for two straight days now, uh, Wednesday and Thursday. 
we suddenly have to start looking at the rest of the pass catching core. And last time, I believe it was Keelan Cole who kind of stepped up in Chark's absence. So I think he's the guy that I would be looking at uh, to add off the to add out a free agency right now. Um, if, if you're in need of a, a flex start, because like you said, Detroit is not good at at stopping much of anything. So I, I would comfortably roll with Keelan Cole. Uh, Laviska Chenalto is, of course, making some more noise. So I think either one of these guys could be flexed. Yeah, I love both those guys. Uh, on the Detroit side, I feel like I, I talked about this on my mailbag, which went out today. Uh, so go check it out, faketeams.com. Given, given that the Detroit Lions are coming off of their bye and given how bad the Jaguars are at stopping the run and just doing anything, I feel, I feel like this is going to be the DeAndre Swift breakout game. I feel like this is going to be the game where DeAndre Swift cements himself as the clear future back and lead back in Detroit's backfield. I know that Adrian Peterson has been seeing the bulk share of touches, but we've seen Swift getting a fair amount of work in the passing game recently. And I think coming off of a bye, playing a terrible uh, run defense, I think we could see Swift kind of uh, announce himself and announce his presence in Detroit this week. It's my, it's my low key, like, Ooh, feeling a little saucy. It's entirely possible. I, uh, I'm still, I, the thing is he'll, he'll do that if he gets on the field. And that's just the, the big thing that we don't know is whether or not Patricia will roll him out there. What we do know is that, uh, like you said, Jacksonville has really kind of struggled to stop opposing teams on the ground. Uh, Mixon cleared 151 yards. He also caught six of six, six balls in, uh, which in is where four. Swift has been operating. So even if Swift, like Swift might have like a, 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 a Kareem Hunt stat line of like three carries for 25 yards and then like eight catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, if you want to boldly roll with him, I, I say do it. I think Patricia's just going to look at this and go, ah, Adrian, this is the perfect time to roll him out there. That's true. That is true. That being said, DeAndre Swift in three out of his four games, almost 40% of snaps, which I, which isn't a ton, but like, that's not, that's not too bad outside of week three, week three only was on the field for 9%, which is shit. It's like, what are we doing here? What are we doing, Matt Patricia? Uh, There's another person who's really high on this game. And in fact, she has her start of the week from this game, and that is the Oracle. What does the Oracle have to say about this game? Hello, the Oracle. My pick this week is Kenny Galladay. I sense that he is tuned into his fan base and highly motivated to give them the win with a great highlight reel moment. There you go. That is the Oracle's start of the week. Pick. Yeah, Kenny Galladay locked in as a wide receiver one this week, according to the Oracle. All right, let's move on. Uh, a fire the cannons game, if I've ever seen one. Atlanta Falcons heading to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. Now, quick preface before we dive in and spend a bunch of time on this. 
the Falcons did come away with a positive test. A couple of positive tests. I rem- I know there was one confirmation, but it yeah. s- sounded like there were multiple reports or multiple positive tests coming from Atlanta. Uh, so that is something worth monitoring, given that it's the NFL. Uh, they very, it seems like all systems are still a go. <laughs> so, uh, they will plow ahead until the COVID test comes positive the day before, or even the day of, but that is something to take note that this game might be delayed. Uh, the precedent that seems to be set is if it's a Sunday game that gets delayed, they'll push it to Tuesday because everyone knows if you have a positive test 48 hours later, all COVID will have left everyone's system. So that's totally okay to then play a game. Uh, but I digress. I am not, I am not a doctor, Nick. You are, you are the doctor here. So I'm sure you could talk more about that, but if this game is played, holy buckets, I mean, it, it is, it is terrible defense versus terrible defense. And we are talking about two offenses that we've seen be super explosive, uh, throughout this season and are likely to continue to do so. Yeah, it's a get right game for the Falcons offense, uh, regardless of whether or not Julio Jones is out there. Calvin Ridley is a you know top one wide receiver one. Uh, Zacchaeus, man, he screwed me last week. Uh, it's it's still like a prime time matchup for him to, to you know get back on track though. Russell Gage, you know, you feel a little bit better about him. Um, and anyway, yeah, I, I don't need to listen to you. the. I guess the one player that I, I might try to highlight is on the the Viking side of things. Uh, Irv Smith Jr. got some good usage last week. So for all you tight end needy. Teams out there, make sure you give him a long look. Um, other than that, Madison's going to smash if this game happens. Yes, 100%. Yeah, and I love the Earth Smith uh, shout-out. The Falcons are giving up the second most points to tight end so far this season, and I think that – I think all of – like, this is a game, like we said, you're going to play all of the guys you have in this game, so it's kind of like, well, what – like, a little, a little something extra is if you want to get a part of this game, go get Irv Smith Jr. Because everyone else has been owned in your league. Like everyone else is rostered. So if you want a part of this game, Irv Smith is, is your guy to, to do that with. Let's move on then to the Denver Broncos heading to New England to take on the Patriots. And the big news here, Nick, both quarterbacks are back. We got Cam Newton has returned. Drew Locke is back. Uh, so this is going to be an all systems go game. Uh, is, it, is it all systems go? All I guess, systems yeah. go, Nick. COVID so, can't do anything anymore to us. Cam Newton I has mean, survived. I, I'm more uh, mocking the idea of the Denver Broncos as being an all. Oh, the Denver Broncos are unit. trash. They're toast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but it's I mean Cam Newton he's back as like a top five option and it's a total crapshoot as to whether or not these guys are going to have like lingering issues with COVID. We're, we're just going to have to monitor practice reports. Yada yada yada. But uh, Julian Edelman obviously flies back into the like you know top fifteen or so in the position. Yes, I want to quickly I want to quickly like pound that notion into people's heads because I've seen yeah, him ranked way too low. Julian Edelman with with Cam Newton is like a locked in high end wide receiver too, without question. And the Broncos are giving up the fourth most points to wide receivers this season. So like this is a prime matchup for Edelman to get back on track. I also think you can get some saucy Nikhil Harry play in there, given the fact that he leads that team. He almost leads the NFL in like red zone targets and and team percentage in the red zone. So like when they get down there, if Cam's not running, which he might not be because he is recovering from COVID, they might not be, you know, he might, they might use him more as a passer down in the red zone than a rusher. Who knows? COVID, you know, affects the lungs, breathing. You, you breathe heavily when you run, just something. Bill Belichick knows more than I, but you could see, we could see a big uh, Nikhil Harry game too, where he, you know, maybe goes for 
40 plus yards in a touch. Yeah, I think uh, the Broncos, like you said, they, they've been really, really bad downfield. I think they've also, or excuse me, uh, to receivers, but I think they've also been really bad at just stopping deep balls. So Demir Bird is even worth a flex if you're really in need. Um, the backfield, I think it's Harris is the, the Sony Michelle. Harris is going to get 15 plus carries and James White is just going to keep being James White. The other two just look good doing it, but they're not going to get enough work um for Denver I mean everybody's just got their eye on Noah Fant whether he's he's a game time decision uh if he's active you roll with him because he's really good and Drew Locke I I think he was the team leader in targets while he and Locke were on the field together so yeah if if Fant's healthy then then you deploy Fant other than that um what do you think of like Judy's prospects against uh Stefan Gilmore-less secondary yeah well Gilmore is practicing so he might be he might be playing. I don't know if he's going to be playing, but he both him and Cam have been practicing this week. So I was just about to say, if Kilmore takes the field, Jerry Judy is. I mean, I I don't think you can confidently. I or where do I have him? I have him ranked fortieth. So like you know, maybe he'll give you wide receiver four value. Uh, I just think Stefan Kilmore. I'm I understand the optimism about Noah Fant, but I am a little tepid about him simply because I like he will be the option in the Broncos passing game, but the Patriots have been really good against tight end so far this season. Now with the tight end position, especially like because teams reliance on it is so uh, attached to like whether or not they have a really good player at that position that the, the how teams do against tight ends from a fantasy standpoint can be a little skewed because if they just don't play good tight ends, then teams probably just won't target tight ends against them. And so that skews their numbers. Um, but the page, I mean, they, they were, they handled Travis Kelsey pretty well uh, when yeah. they played the chiefs. So I, I would be a little worried about a banged up Noah Fant going against the uh, Patriots, especially if they have a healthy Stefan Gilmore and Belichick knows that like this passing game is going to go through Fant. We're going to, we're going to give him the Darren Waller treatment and just completely. That's erase. fair. That's fair. Uh, if, if somebody can find like a better option though, right. that, I mean, I, that's what it, it just comes down to because tight end just sucks. Uh, well, Irv Smith is, Jr. There's would you would you rather start Irv Smith over Noah Fant? Yeah, just yeah, just the the Falcons. I mean, they're safe. It's just play. trash. It's so yeah. yeah, it's so good. You can't say no to that matchup. Yeah, um, the 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 thing the the whatever in the room, um, Melvin Gordon got a DUI, so we don't know the if whatever in the room. Yeah, the we thing in the if, corner there. Yeah, um, we don't know if he's going to play. So yeah. if Phil Lindsay's available, go at him now. He's a yeah. twenty touch player. If if Melvin Gordon sits, I was able to find him in in one of my leagues. Um, yeah, go at him. He's not going to do a ton through the air. That Royce Freeman will catch a few passes, but like this is a he, he's very very capable of, of handling the rock twenty times. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, he he was their running back one last year, and and did put up solid fantasy numbers for them. And so if, if there is no Melvin Gordon and he, I saw he returned to practice today and that the Broncos might not ex- hand down a punishment until after this week, which is like, mm, really Broncos really well, we're going to uh, wait until after you play the Patriots to uh, put down a punishment. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, is that, is it up to them? I, is get I have out no idea. They'll just find them. Right. So yeah, the NFL, the NFL might be able to hand a suspension, but that's certainly yeah. something to note. If Melvin Gordon does not suit up, Phil Lindsay is someone who you can possibly add on waivers and, uh, and certainly is worth, worth running with this week. Yeah, He was going like 75 in like a 35 and drunk. 
So I, I think that like we're well into territory where the NFL there will be there will be something handed down, which is like what are, this is uh let me, I mean Melvin, you listen to the show obviously, and just in general to NFL players and celebrities and everyone in general, uh, Uber. Just, well, stay just home because it's a pandemic. Why? Why are you out? Like also that. <laughs> there are many. There that. are many things here that you can you can do to avoid uh, this situation. Call a taxi. Walk home. Bike. Party at your house because you're in the midst of a pandemic. I don't know. Just uh, next time, Melvin. Next time, let's just have a house party with yourself. Play a drinking game. We will record a drinking game for you, Melvin, that you can play by yourself. We'll, we'll, we'll just have a podcast and we'll make a whole drinking game for it. So you're welcome. Uh, let's move on. Washington football team heading to New York to take on the Giants. This game excites me, Nick, because I'm finally going to get the game that I have wanted to see from my boy Evan Ingram in so, so long. It's coming. This week, Evan Ingram is going to put up Tight end one numbers against a, a Washington defense that has been terrible against tight ends this year. Uh, and the Giants have no one else to throw the football to. So, fingers crossed. Evan Ingram has never let me down before, right? Dude, his his depth of target is like four. It's so bad. Yards, like, and I, they, they're just using him like he's Jason Witten. They're having him block. And there's I, it's all over Twitter, like, he's the lead curl route runner in the NFL. Like he's a ballerina that should just be shot downfield every play. It's, it's really tough. It's so bad. It's so bad. Good. Good old Jason Garrett. We love you. We love what you're doing with the team, Jason. Yeah. As far as anybody else, uh, it's time to cut bait on Logan Thomas. His usage is outrageous, but um, I, you can't keep taking zeros. Like he had that, we had a touchdown in week one and we all really enjoyed adding him on our team after that. And now it's just, you, you just got to cut the guy. Not going to get yep. it done. I wholeheartedly agreed with that. Did you watch the footage from last week's game? With the Washington? Washington's last week game? No. No? Okay. I was going to ask what your, what your thoughts were on uh, the Kyle Allen, Terry McLaurin connection. Because the Giants have been giving up tons of points to wide receivers. And I would love for scary Terry to be a wide receiver one this week. And in fact, I think I've ranked him as such, or maybe I've ranked him as I ranked him as the wide receiver 13. So tops yeah. of the wide receiver two category. I, uh, James Bradbury has been good. That's, that's a concern, but that's I true. mean, I, he, he did really I, good I, tomorrow I, last week. He should still see eight targets or more. I know he had seven last week, but I would still be, he, he's in my lineup swag. He's in mine as well. Let's move on. Baltimore Ravens head to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. And Nick, you do running back rankings every week, faketeams.com. Don't sleep on them. Go check them out. And I was actually surprised at how high you had Miles Sanders on your list this week. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, the Baltimore run defense is only strong in name. Uh, they have They have yielded fantasy fruitful days to a number of running backs uh this season and i i mean sanders he he struggled to get it going last week his box score looked great uh but they committed to him this is 
this damn team, man, th- their offense is just so friggin' bad. I mean, they have to invest so much more in the offensive line, but uh, they're just going to keep giving in the rock. Uh, but if you go look through their the Baltimore box scores, um, they're the, the big guy, like, you know, Antonio Gibson, he had his breakout against them. Uh, Clyde got it done combining like uh, through the air and on the ground. Joe Mixon caught six passes against them. They, they can be had. And I think um, Sanders is just a, a high volume play. Yeah. That's that's a good point. Antonio Gibson torching them was unexpected. And if they can, if the Eagles just implement the exact same game plan, whoo, Miles Sanders is about to go off. Uh, do you trust any Eagles wide receiver this week? Right. So I do think that Trav, uh, uh, what's I'm blanking on his name, but uh, Fulham is Trevor. What is his? Uh, Travis. Yeah, Travis Fulham. So this dude, he was on like Detroit's practice squad last year. And, you know, unsurprisingly, Matt Patricia didn't know he had a good receiver on his hands. Shocking. He's looked, he's played really well. And last week he had 13 targets and who the hell else are they going to throw to Alshon Jeffrey? We have no idea if he'll play Deshaun Jackson. If he does play, it's a couple downfield targets and they, they, this team cannot block to save their life. Greg Ward looks like he's kind of taken over Zach Ertz's like slot route role. Um, so I would still roll with Fulham as a flex option because I think he has a good shot at, at seeing 10 targets. And although he might not find the end zone, uh, that kind of volume, you know, if he just racks up like six or seven catches plus his, you know, 60 or 70 yards, like that's, that's flexible value. Ward is a lot more shaky uh, just, you know, cause it, Oh, actually, excuse me. The Ravens, I think that they are, uh, they are a little bit more fantasy friendly to, Slot receivers. Anyway, um, I, he's still he's no more than a flex option though, just because of the state of the team. Um, the, the the last thing I'll mention for the Eagles is, is just that Zach Ertz is playing terribly, and Dallas Goddard is eligible to come back next week. Ooh! So if Dallas Goddard great. got released in your league, yeah, go Adam. Go preemptively Adam because he might be replacing Zachary really soon. I personally am not touching a single Eagles wide receiver if I can help it because this, like you said, this offense sucks. And I just don't even want to deal with the pain of starting Travis Fulgram everywhere. And then watching Greg Ward, see 13 targets and Travis Fulgram seeing zero targets because you know what? It'll happen. All right. Before we move on, we are ready to take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's move on. Cleveland Browns heading to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. 
Chase Claypool might back up his last week's game with another monster game because Cleveland's giving up the second most points to wide receivers so far. And we know Juju Smith-Schuster, who's been practicing, uh, is going to be a go. The question is whether or not Deontay Johnson hits the field because without him on the field, Chase Claypool has locked in that. He is that downfield big play threat. And we saw it last week and we could see it again this week. Uh, Claypool was running around all over the place last week. Um, I, he's, I think he's the team's ex right now. Deontay Johnson suffered a back injury. Back injuries are not something that heal quickly. And I will not at all be surprised if, if he just is out this week in that case, uh, Claypool is the, the team's number one ride receiver. So if you need a really, really good player on your fantasy roster and uh, Mr. George, uh, he, I mean, he 100% endorses getting exactly, Chase yeah. Claypool and starting Chase Claypool. And I'm, so I'm looking at Yahoo's numbers right now and he's only 46% on. This is ridiculous. Uh, Juju is just manning that number two receiver role. That's all he's going to be. Uh, I was wrong. He's not a top five receiver. I think he can still be really, really good and continue to develop. And maybe he needs to have surgery on his knee in the off season. There's something going on there, but uh, yeah, Claypool is going to be the number one. He's going to smash. Uh, Juju does have an awesome spot. Slot receivers have been pummeling Cleveland. So I would fire him up too. He's a wide receiver too. Um, this, this might be one of the, the last weeks where you can reliably start James Washington. Cause he's going to just get that full like speedster role. Uh, with Claypool operating as the X. So I, I would still, I'd feel comfortable flexing him as, as, as well. Uh, last thing I'll say is, is real bummer that Ebron is now uh, dealing with a hand injury and was unable to practice at least Wednesday. I haven't checked the report for Thursday, but he was kind of shaping up to be a streamable tight end option. And now it's, he's not. And Vance McDonald proved to us last year that he is not a streamable option either. Yeah. Um. Are you at all tapping or lowering your expectations for Kareem Hunt facing one of the better run defenses in the uh, in the league? Yeah, but just to the extent that he's like he's the RB seven, whereas I probably <laughs> sure. would rank him as like the RB four. One thing that we should mention is that uh, Beckham was sent home with an yes. illness today, and he took a COVID test, and we'll know the the results tomorrow. So hold your breath and monitor heavily. Yes, because this game might not happen then. Which, whoo, the Steelers gotta would would love to love to have uh, multiple games delayed or canceled because of COVID. Uh, I mean, James Conner is going to have his healthiest year. I know, seriously. <laughs> oh, stay healthy, James. Let's move on. Houston Texans heading to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Um, before we get into this game. And Nick, I would love to hear where you want to uh, start off. And as we discuss the fantasy aspects of this game, quickly, I'd like to send a quick message to the Tennessee Titans, who seem to take, who seem to like uh, think that getting COVID was, uh, and and the whole league being like the Titans got COVID and are screwing the league over is kind of like this chip that they should wear on their shoulder. And like, no one believed us; they all hate us because we got COVID. Yeah. The league does hate you because you got COVID and because you had stupid player practices that were like against NFL regulations in order to keep this highly infectious disease under wraps. Like, let's not start bragging or like putting the they don't believe us signs on the walls because we got COVID and and everyone was, you know, we were the poster child for COVID in the NFL and now they all hate us. And now we got to show them and we're going to use it as motivation. Uh, let's let's ease back on that a little bit, Titans. 
Yeah, facing criticism for mishandling a pandemic outbreak in your locker room is not adversity. So not, not what we should be bragging about here. Yeah, shove that up your ass. And and <laughs> Ryan Tannehill has made it way less fun to root for his career resurgence by like endorsing all of this behavior. Like I I don't know. Don't never put anybody on a pedestal. But okay, how are how are we going to have fun good, rooting good, against? Good good uh, good moral for everyone to take into life just never never idolize anyone they will let you down we're gonna be really happy though because will fuller who some donkeys are still concerned about uh if you drafted him you drafted him knowing his hamstrings might be an issue he is an every week top 15 player and he's a high-end wide receiver one this week so uh stefan diggs fellow downfield receiver 10 catches 106 yards this this is the same defense the titans defense that allowed justin jefferson to break out seven catches 175 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown was that 71 yarder that he just like cooked the whole field. Mm-hmm. So Fuller, I mean, he's being used as the X, but they're not going to just say, all right, you, you know, you don't get to run your patented downfield routes. Now they're going to send him flying. And this could easily be one of his King Kong games. Love it. I like that call a lot, actually. Uh, in fact, I like it so much. I'm updating on my wide receiver rankings as we speak. I also I also love it, the fact that AJ Brown came back and immediately put up numbers. He's my wide receiver 10 this week. Like he is back in it and ready to just be a wide receiver one for the rest of the season. And if you listened to us 2 weeks ago, 3 weeks ago when we had our guys to buy low on podcast and we said you should try to trade for AJ Brown because AJ Brown for the second half of the season might be like the top five wide receiver in fantasy uh you're welcome if you got a hold of him let's continue uh pinnacle of football being played here the new york jets heading to miami my goodness nick this is this is the game that people you know love to see this is what they the people paid for yeah so uh it i don't know if you saw the the graphic which we'll get to at some well okay we'll save it we'll we'll put a pin in it it'll come around at some point uh what I'm getting to here is that the Jets are so insanely bad that I think you might be able to start more than one Miami running back. Uh, if you just go look what they have allowed to opposing backfields, I, and I know like San Francisco is a very different beast than than Miami, but Mostert and McKinnon both obliterated this team. Uh, I'm, what Melvin Gordon did do in week four, it's like there are so so many backs who have had outstanding success that if you were just in dire straits, I think Matt Breida could be flexed. Wow. That is, that is saucy. I mean, I totally agree in the fact that you should fire up like miles Gaskin is seems to me chalked up for a monster game. And if you, and, and if you like, you're saying that this is the game script where Miami gets up like 40 to 10 in the middle of the third quarter. And they're like, Matt Breida, this is your time to shine. Yeah. And, and the thing that I, I, I screwed the pooch here, uh, Jordan Howard was a healthy scratch last week. And so that now that we have this down to a two-man backfield, that's yeah. big time, right? So yeah. Miles Garrison converted his goal line carry last week. We love that. Uh, everybody, you can go look at what Howard was doing. Every week it was a touchdown plus the single-digit yardage it took him to get to the end zone, and that's it. The fact that they finally scratched him, that's big. So now we know that it's just two dudes. Uh, I mean, Brita could take 12 to 15 touches, you know, to the house uh, against the Jets. I completely agree. Uh, We will touch on this when we get to the Kansas City, but 
Le'Veon Bell released Frank Gore season. Am I right? Is Frank, are we really starting Frank Gore as a reliable fantasy guy in the year 2020? I mean, the Miami Dolphins are not a bad matchup for running backs. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> you, and, you can't do this to yourself? No, and, and you know, there's a lot of folks who are like, oh, man, we need to go. Everybody should go sign LaMichael P. Ryan. He's the number two there. How long can Frank Gore last? He'll last as long as Adam Gase will. And, Frank Gore and what will is, literally never die. Never but, trust Frank Gore to die. I mean, if Le'Veon Bell couldn't get this done there, do we think that LaMichael P. Ryan or friggin' Gore <laughs> is going to return value? Like, this isn't – I don't know. If, if somebody's desperate and feeling lucky, you could do it. But this is just a, a team that I don't want anything to do with. I, you know, no. Crowder is an every week high-end wide receiver too. Uh, outside of him, no, no, nobody. Of course he is. It's so absurd. That is just a preposterous world to uh, to live and operate in. The fact that Jameson Crowder has reliable fantasy value. Uh, let's move on. Green Bay Packers heading to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. And I tweeted this one out every week. I like to like find a guy that I am like going to hitch my bandwagon to. This week, hitching my bandwagon to Robert uh, Ronald Jones. Didn't realize this. Ronald Jones, low-key, having, like, one of the better seasons for running back so far this year. He's, like, seventh in the – let's – you know what? Let's not pontificate. Let's give you the facts that you came for. Ninth in rush attempts, seventh in rushing yards, second most 20-plus yard runs, and seventh most broken tackles. Uh, Ronald Jones has been, like, quietly doing it for the Bucks in this backfield, especially with Leonard Fournette and LaShawn McCoy out, and he has taken the bulk share of work there. And the Packers giving up the second most points to running back so far this season. I think that this game – I mean, these are two evenly matched offenses, so I don't really feel like it's going to be a game where Ronald Jones gets game scripted out, especially since we do know the Packers also love to run the football. So this could be, like, a game where I think Ronald Jones has wide receiver one upside. Or running back one upside, excuse me. I think the entire, uh, I think his entire value depends on Leonard Fournette's availability. Right now, uh, we don't sure. know if he's going to play because of his ankle injury. One thing to note is a lot of the production generated against the Packers has been done by uh, pass catching backs. Jones is just not doing that. That doesn't mean that he won't see a high volume of touches and can't get it done. I've got him as a mid range running back two right now. But again, it's entirely dependent on if Fournette's there. Because if he misses a, a, a block or whatever, then it's like his floor is out of the game. Right. Um, right. So assuming that, that is, if Fournette's out, then I feel really good. Anyone else, anyone else in this game that tickles your fancy? You're, uh, you're starting, you know, Devontae Adams. You can't worry about him against yep. the Bucks. But I have a the, wide the receiver Bucks, three this week. Yeah. Um, the Bucks. Defense is really, really good. So I think tempering expectations for the the, the role players. It's okay. I will keep my Packers hate to just like one sentence, but I know they've increased their early down passing somewhat. But if this was your plan, why the hell didn't you draft Justin Justin Jefferson? Why the hell did you like? Why is Marcus I mean, Valdez Scantling and Alan him. Lazard? You didn't out need there? him. You why not right. throw the ball to Marcus Valdez Scantling and watch him drop it five times? It's so crazy. People love that um, shit. Right. So anyway, uh, I'd feel good about him. Uh, Aaron Rodgers definitely dropped a, a little bit in the rankings, but he will chuck it to Aaron Jones a lot. And the Bucks defense is just like 
pass catch city for running backs because they I think it's just because the the quarterbacks are just using their safety valve to evade the pass rush but you know Gotti tolls uh Gotti totals um from uh from pass catching backs as far as the the Bucks side of things goes um it's really like if is Godwin healthy or not Mike Evans isn't necessarily seeing his his outstanding usage uh, and Gronk's hurt there's Bucks is a lot of wait and see right now gotta see how they look on Saturday night uh, all right, Los Angeles Rams heading to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. I don't – I have sworn off, but tell me if I'm wrong. I have sworn off the uh, Rams backfield because I don't like committees of three different running backs. And I know Daryl Henderson seems to be the lead guy there, but I, I mean – Am I is am I reacting too soon to to swearing this backfield off? No, I mean I think that it's fine to roster pieces of it and in order of Henderson, the primary guy, then sure. Akers, uh, then Brown. It was nice when when Malcolm Brown was recovering from his pinky surgery two weeks ago. Then it was like, okay, he's not catching any passes. It's Darrell Henderson and Cam Akers had a you know rib cartilage injury. Then everything was great. Now we're seeing that Sean McVay wants to run the football a ton and uh, that he's committed to having multiple backs. It's, it's, it's very similar to the Fournette Ronald Jones situation. Um, it's, it's a situation that can, can blow up in your face. If you have Henderson, I'd be trying to trade him for a more reliable option. Um, yeah. Where I do have him, he's just kind of like on my bench and it's, it's frightening. I don't really know what to do with him. As of now, he's the lead back, so I would feel comfortable with a flex start. But uh, sell high where you can. Yeah. And Tyler Habe, I try to tell you guys, he's just he's he's a real, he is a solid like tight end two. Is that is that kind of where he's producing? It's just the issue is is that that is by far and away not what you paid for him. Yeah, you draft him like the fifth round. Um, and and the, the trends, the usage trends that we saw last year was in neutral game scripts. Uh, when the, when things shifted, then they were, they started going into 12 personnel, but once it was, uh, or no, when they were, when they were winning, but then when it was right. neutral or losing, then it was three receiver time. And now they're back to that three receiver set. McVay like, doesn't know what to do outside of that grouping. Um, yeah. Anyway, start Cooper cup. No, and Robert 100% start Cooper cup. Yes. Cooper cups floor is extraordinarily reliable i i actually just did this because one of the mailbag questions asked about it since week one he's averaging like eight targets six catches 66 yards and like every week it's like beautiful i will take that that is a gorgeous floor to have uh i am i will say i was high on debo samuel last week um and did not pan out obviously they're still kind of easing him back i am i am going to be again show tepid I'm going to be nervous about both Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk this week. The Raven, uh, the Rams secondary is legit. So I don't, I think it's you fire, you fire, obviously George Kittle. You're never going to bench George Kittle, but I am not, I'm not starting any uh, 49ers wide receivers where I have them. Yeah. A, a, a tightly covered George Kittle is still like a tight, you know, top three tight end. Yeah. Um, the Jimmy Garoppolo situation is something we have to monitor. Apparently that high ankle sprain is really bothering him. And it's kind of crazy that he tried to come back. So early um, 
either way, they're going to run the ball a lot. And, and McVay is going to be happy to, to allow that to happen. So, yeah, I mean, that's what all he's going to want to do too. Right. And, and they might've tried to run him back to try to like gain some ground or at least stay in a playoff fight, but they're the bottom of the NFC West right now. And it might be something where Shanahan is like, okay, Jimmy, you go get healthy and we're going to not, I mean, they've had so many injuries that it might just be like a let's, let's let people play and let's see what we can do, but we're, we're out of contention now. So we're not going to rush people back which is certainly something to note. Uh, okay. Kansas city chiefs heading to Buffalo to take on the bills. Obviously this is, we are going to start here. This is the biggest news. The chiefs just signed Le'Veon bell. He was released by the jets. They just brought him in and signed. We are going to talk about this chiefs backfield because now Clyde Edwards, Hilaire gets a nice, a nice little baseball cap on his head uh, because there's another running back there to play with them. And you tell me what you think, Nick, for me personally, this, the, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire still retains high-end wide uh, running back two value. I think he's a reliable RB2 for the rest of the season. The place where I see Le'Veon Bell really cutting into him is in the red zone. That's where we've seen Clyde Edwards-Hilaire really struggle. Like he's had 700 red zone touches and hasn't scored a touchdown or has scored one touchdown. So I could see that being the role that they brought Bell into is to be the bigger, more physical back around the goal line, which means he's going to be poaching touchdowns, uh, which obviously puts a cap on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's uh, value. But I don't think that if you are managing, if you have uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I keep trying to like abbreviate his name, but I can't think on the fly quick enough. C-H-E, there we go, did it. Uh, if you have C-H. him on your... C-E-H. See, I can't even do it when I was thinking about it. This is why I should never try new things. C-E-H. Um, if you have him on your roster, don't panic. Like, I think that he still retains plenty of fantasy value. And in fact, if you, I tried to, I sent out a bunch of trades in all my leagues to people with him to try to see if I could get some people to, who are panicking to, to give him up for a little bit cheaper. What, how do you see this backfield playing out with the addition of Le'Veon Bell? I also sent out trade offers to uh, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire owners in all my leagues. Um, what, so I guess on a, a couple fronts, what this acquisition did is it just shook up the mind of whoever has uh, Edwards Hilaire and excited all of the bell owners. So you're not going to get levy on bell. Um, but if you can offer some sort of decent stable player in exchange for Clyde, uh, hopefully you find something, a position where that person is lacking and just try to like one for one provide him stability. Uh, I suppose you, I guess you could even do a running back, just replace him. Um, I, I would absolutely try. We've seen multiple running backs have decent fantasy value in, uh, in, uh, in Kansas city before, and they've never had one as, as talented as this group. And Le'Veon Bell, we can talk all about how he isn't the Pittsburgh back that he was like three years ago. That's fine. He doesn't have to be because this offense, and he reads schemes guys into space constantly. And what is one thing Le'Veon Bell is really good at? Catching passes. He knows how to run routes. He can play receiver. I mean, there was talk a long time. You could just line him up as an X. Um, Andy Reid knows how to use him. I think that it will take a few weeks, but I think that eventually this is just going to be a one-two punch. I think that like on average, 
Clyde, though, he's still going to be a back-end running back one, and I think that Bell is going to be a weekly flex option. Sammy Watkins, he's hurt. I think he went on IR. I don't recall why. Uh, you know, Bell, I mean, he, he might hurt Michael Hardman's uh, value a little bit here. Uh, in the short term, though, I think Clyde is, is still this, like, mid-tier running back one. The, the rushing touch there, the touchdown thing is just, you know, that touchdown variance, that shit happens. Um, here's what I'm excited about, though. They have Buffalo this week. Okay, that whatever. Uh, Denver, New York Jets, Carolina. Clyde can absolutely produce at a top 12 rate while uh, Le'Veon Bell mixes in for high-end flex value and even sometimes a running back two during that stretch. Then it's the bye, but then they come back to Las Vegas. So Las Vegas, that's, that's, that's awesome. Uh, then they have to play Tampa Bay, which is, as we talked about earlier, pass-catching back city. So PPR floor is still enforced there. Then Denver, then Miami, then New Orleans, which has been okay. Uh, and then Atlanta. This schedule, it's like it's hard to find one that is as fantasy friendly to a backfield as this. This is a ton of just smash matchups. So if you have either of these guys, just be excited. Understand that you didn't, you're not getting the Clyde that you drafted to compete with Ezekiel Elliott, but you're you still have a running back one in a differentiating manner that in a way that people in your league don't. So I'm not panicking. I'm totally happy with what happened here. And if this can provide some sort of uh, breathing room or injury prevention, like Alvin Kamara kind of gets from not seeing 30 touches, that's great. Yeah. I also think that this is a move coming off of the Chiefs loss to the Raiders, where it was like, they need to expand this offense beside, like past Mahomes, right? They're currently just living and dying by how well Patrick Mahomes plays. We saw it against the Chargers. We saw it against the Patriots where it's like, if Patrick Mahomes is like struggling or not figuring out what defenses are doing, then this offense goes nowhere. And I wouldn't like in a perfect world, this is what I, I want the chiefs like in my mind, ideal world, the chiefs operate the second half of last year's Titans offense where it's like Patrick Mahomes doesn't throw the ball all that much, but it's these perfect throws all over, you know, all across the field, downfield, high value plays, you know, maybe he's throwing the ball only 25 times, 30 times a game. Um, but they're super, you know, well-constructed plays that are getting the ball down the field and, and he's not missing them because he's the best quarterback in the league right now. And you have this two headed attack of Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell to really be the bulk of what this offense is going forward. So I think this, like from a pure football standpoint, this signing makes, I mean, all the sense in the world. It makes the Chiefs' offense ex- exceedingly potent, especially if Le'Veon Bell can tap into anything that he was with the Steelers. And like, round of applause for Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, post holdout, has gotten paid, then got released by the Jets, and is now playing for the best team in the NFL. Like, well done, Le'Veon. Well done. Yeah. Uh, did you see Sports Center was tweeting out that uh, basically? So. The, the three teams that Bell was looking at were Miami, Buffalo, and Kansas City. All who play it, the Jets in the next three games. Yeah. <laughs> nice work. I mean, it would have been fun to see him, like, in Miami uh, or in Buffalo. But I think as far as, you know, th- this one, it, it's, the, it's the furthest one out. So he gets the most time to absorb the playbook and is the best. Oh, I mean, I guess one, those, those really 100%, 100% Le'Veon Bell was like, I want to play Adam Gase and just say, fuck you the entire game while I'm running up and down the field on his trash ass team. Uh, 
quick also COVID protocol. Le'Veon Bell will not be able to play this week because he needs to go through tests. So again, another round of confirmation for those Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, managers. Do not panic. Do not worry. Even though I just sent someone in my league uh, a trade for him. So I'm going to steal him as much as I can. Keenan Allen for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That seems fair, right? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Thank you for confirming my fair trade. Final game of the week, Arizona Cardinals heading to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. For me, first of all, this is a, you, 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 you like the King Kong phrase. This is a DeAndre Hopkins King Kong game. Holy mother of God, this game <laughs> could be just <laughs> utterly absurd for DeAndre Hopkins, given how bad the, uh, the Cowboys uh, secondary has looked. Do you have any sense... Is there any sense? Should we be all worried? How is this wide receiver room going to pan out now that Dak Prescott is out and it's Andy Dalton under center? Is there going to be a reshuffling of priorities? Are we going to see CD Lamb continue to be the guy and Amari Cooper now take a backseat? Are we going to see some more Michael Gallup? I know it's one game in or like not even. Do you have a, do you have a feeling, an inclination as to how this second uh, this wide receiver room might now shake out with Andy Dalton under center? I think that all three players take a, a small step back, but a lot of, let me make sure that I don't offend Dak Prescott here. A lot of the success is because this offense is so well schemed under Kellen Moore. And I also think that Dak Prescott is like a top eight quarterback in the NFL talent wise. So I'm not trying to put him down. Um, but I mean that the play calling is going to carry Andy Dalton. Like, Andy Dalton yeah. has always been like the, the the as they say the Dalton line. It's is your quarterback better than him? Oh well, then he can probably take it to the playoffs. Is he worse? Okay, not a chance. This is the best team that Andy Dalton has ever played on. Right? Like no no team has been more talented than this, and no team has been more well coached than this. He's in the best situation of his life. Now he's a little bit older, but. I think that they're going to be able to scheme him up to effectively game manage. And if I am at all in need of a quarterback, I am absolutely yes. going to, to add him. Um, looking at the schedule, just, just two seconds here. I mean, Arizona, Washington, Philadelphia, you can plug him into your lineup as a, a quarter. Like I think I might have him as the, what is it? A quarterback 13 this mm-hmm. week. Yeah. He's quarterback 13. Yeah. I mean, he, I think he's just perennially going to be the, the top streaming option. Now he does have to face, Pittsburgh and then a bye in nine and 10, but coming out of that Minnesota and Washington and he gets Baltimore, but then it's Cincinnati SF and Philly. I mean, this is a terrific schedule and it's, and it's not just that he has bad defenses that he's facing. He also is opposing, he's facing good opposing offenses, which, you know, it's just going to keep him throwing Um, back to your original point. Amari Cooper, still a wide receiver one Uh, CD, CD lamb. He is still a really, really good spot receiver. Michael Gallup, Maybe it's helpful. I don't know. It's this one's probably the biggest like conundrum. Will Dalton be looking downfield more? I, I'm not really sure. Uh, yeah, uh, Tyler Eifert certainly had a few good years while Andy Dalton was there. So Dalton Schultz, I mean, he was getting like 10 targets in some games. So I'm holding firm on any of these guys. And this might also be another situation, kind of like what we were talking about with Clyde, where if there's any Dallas Cowboy uh, manager, you know, Amari yeah. Cooper's manager, if he's a little frightened, I'd send an offer his way. Yeah, especially since Amari Cooper just coming off of the Giants game. Uh, 
CD Lamb, 11 targets, eight catches, 124 yards. Imagine, imagine uh, if the Falcons had drafted him instead of uh, whoever they drafted at the corner. Or imagine if he uh, fell to the Eagles. Anyways, imagine if the uh, Packers had drafted him. Anyways, I digress. Uh, <laughs> that one is. <laughs> That one blows my mind. It's that one's up. mildly indefensible. Uh, Michael Gallup, four targets, four catches, 73 yards. And Amari Cooper, two catches on four targets with 23 yards. So this is, I to your point, where it's like, again, that's Amari Cooper is coming off of a week in which he was not heavily involved. James Bradbury, you said, has been playing really well. That was an example of it. We've seen Amari Cooper get erased by top corners before. But you can also be worried that, like, oh, no, the Andy Dalton transition has completely nuked uh amari cooper i don't think that's true amari cooper's too good for that to be possible so yes trying to buy low on cooper makes a a lot of sense uh in my opinion and andy dalton just a little quick refresher we love to make fun of the red rifle uh 2013 4293 yards 33 touchdowns 2016 4200 yards 18 touchdowns 2017 25 touchdowns like he plays to the talent around him. And like you said, this is the most talent that he has ever had. And he has a running back. Like he's in the perfect system. And this is why teams should sign talented backup quarterbacks. The Eagles yeah. won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. The Cowboys very well could make a deep playoff push with Andy Dalton because they have Andy Dalton. Uh, the Saints should bench Drew Brees for Jameis Winston. So. <laughs> Get a talented uh, running back quarterback too. I think uh, I think once uh, Michael Thomas is back, all the all the concerns are gone. The only, oh yeah, because uh, Michael just, Thomas runs a great slant route and can catch the ball five yards down the field, which is all that Drew Brees throws. Burn. <laughs> Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the NFL. Um, the thing I want to note on the uh, other side of the ball, though, try to tell you guys, Chase Edmonds. Okay, last week, he saw the highest snap share of the season. He'd been operating in the mid-30s last week. He hit 45% over the the last two weeks in half-point PPR scoring. He's the running back 11. Uh, I think that they should be using Kenyon Drake in an all-purpose manner, but they aren't. They're giving Chase Edmonds a ton of passing game usage, and now he's seen the field more. So if you can, go add Chase Edmonds. This guy, if – I think that he has a very good shot at completely forcing a 50-50 backfield. And I think that it's well within his range of potential outcomes to just take over the lead back job here. It's not what I want for Kenyon Drake, but Edmonds is, I think he's a really talented two-way back. And uh, I mean, if they're getting close to the same workload and Edmonds gets all the passing game stuff, that's the guy you want. Yeah. I, uh, Dalvin Cook is out. I am starting Chase Edmonds comfortably in his place this week rock and roll i love it if you have if you if he's on your waiver you should uh 100 be adding him all right well there you go there's some uh hot week six starts and sits all right well make sure you subscribe to the fake teams podcast wherever you get your podcast itunes spotify stitcher that is how you'll not only get us but also our fantasy baseball and basketball podcast you can follow myself on twitter at pdm rogers follow nick at ginger underscore underscore nick without a k also follow us as a podcast at rb1 podcast tweet us whatever uh start and sit quandaries you got we'd love to help and answer them best of luck everyone to week six uh we will be back at you next week until then peace